At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is Brevin Jordan, and you're listening to Roster Watch. Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the Epic Roster Watch Podcast, brought to you by RosterWatch.com. My name is Alex Dunlap, and joining us today, talk about a big fish. A bit, I mean, this guy actually works for the NFL team. We're going straight to the source here. He's Drew Doherty. You can find him on Twitter at Doherty Drew. That's D-O-U-G-H-E-R. T-Y Drew. He's the host of uh, Texans TV and uh, team uh, general all around kind of team media guy and insider there for the Houston Texans, writes for the website, uh, contributor to Texans radio, et cetera, et cetera. One of a, a one of our uh, great follows on Twitter for Texans content. Drew, how are you doing, brother? I'm good. It took all of my restraint when you were you know, doing my my last name letter by letter to not go D O U G. So well <laughs> okay, great. Man. My okay. name's down. But, uh, I'm good, man. I, I'm not as cold as you are. We're obviously closer to the Gulf in Houston. You're in the hill country of uh, of Texas, so you get get a little bit a uh, little bit more of the cold stuff than we do. So we're okay, but. You uh, you got a fire going over there, or what? Yeah, I mean, well, de- definitely, man. In, in inside and outside, the fires yeah. fire, fires going. But uh, yeah, dude, it's um, it's uh, it's been it's been an interesting couple of years, man, with these with these cold snaps here here in Texas. People don't realize that like we're we're not made for it down no, here. No, like we don't have like you you get a flake of snow, everything shuts down. It's just yeah. like people just don't get it. It was wild having to. You know, coming home from the Senior Bowl just last a uh, couple of weeks ago. You know, we got that cold, cold snap that everybody thought was going to be maybe a little bit like last year. It didn't turn out to be quite like it, but everybody there, I was like, I need to get on a plane home early on Wednesday instead of coming <laughs> home Thursday. They're like, Why? I'm like, Because it's going to snow in Texas. They're like, Who cares? It snows all the time. I'm like, No, dude. In Texas, it's, they shut down everything. It's I'm not like, made for it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I will be stuck here all weekend. All right, um, and I. And I don't want to keep you stuck here all day. So let's talk about the Texans. The first thing that kind of pops into my mind when I think about it, I know it's not really fantasy related, but I got to know about Laramie Tunsil. There's all this talk about how Laramie Tunsil might be on the trade block. And apparently there's some money that can get opened up if this happens. My question is, and it probably relates to a question about maybe a can, can you just talk about the offensive line, Laramie Tunsil, how that relates to Davis Mills? Is Dave, I mean, to, to, 
to give him a fair shot, do you I mean, is it is it really fair to, you know, kind of trade away your best offensive tackle coming into a year where he could be getting maybe looked at and getting evaluated as a guy that could be a piece moving forward as, you know, a leader and a quarterback for that team. Is that how Houston's kind of sees? I, I, I know this is tough. It's kind of like asking two questions. But when I think of Tunsil, the first thing I think about is the quarterback and what it might mean to him. Laramie Tunsil is an excellent uh, left tackle. I think one of the three or four best in the game. He was gone for the season after week five. Uh, initially, it was thought to be an injury that would maybe take a month, but it just wound up going the whole year. In his place, Titus Howard eventually slid into that spot, and Titus played really, really well. You got to remember, he was the first round. He's the last first round pick that this team has, and he he was brought in in 2019. A bit of a surprise on draft night. A lot of folks thought the Texans might go with a guy like Andre Dillard. Uh, well, they got sniped. <laughs> they got sniped by the Eagles, right? What, I don't think they, they did. I, I, if you go back and you watch the tape uh, of, of the of the war room, so to speak, from that night, you know when that was when that pick was made by Philadelphia. There's a lot of fist pumping because uh, the Texans were able to get their guy. They were worried that, that oh. they would move it up. They liked Titus Howard and. It was interesting this week, you know, the assistant coaches, uh, a lot of the new ones and some of the old ones spoke with the media. And George Warhop has been with Jacksonville the last three seasons. So he was there in 19 and he was asked about Howard. And Warhop said he's one of two guys that I worked out when I was in Jacksonville and I really liked him. And we really wanted a chance to go for him, to take him. But the Texans took him. The other guy was the, the guy that we went with, Jawan Taylor. That's who, who wound up going to the Jaguars. So Warhop from afar had a pretty favorable impression of, of Howard, and now he's going to get to definitely work with him in some form or fashion wherever he's playing on the line. I kind of think it's going to be left tackle. But you know, to get to your original point, Laramie Tunsil is an excellent player, and really I think the idea now is with a new offense because there will be a new offense. Pep Hamilton – is the, the new coordinator. He's in charge of things. And you're not going to see what you've seen in the last five, six, seven seasons here in Houston where the team breaks the huddle, comes to the line, and spends a lot of time checking and getting – I think there's going to be more of a forcefulness and more of a, a direction there. And you're going to put your offensive line in a better position. I work for the team, so obviously I'm biased. But I refuse to believe that – all these guys that have played on the offensive line for the last five or six seasons are awful. I, I just refuse to believe that. I, I don't mm. think that offense and that system put them in an advantageous spot to run the ball. And I think that's going to change now. And it's going to be fascinating to see what Warhop and you know what Pep Hamilton are able to do to get those guys working together, to get that rush average up. Because think about it. They were dead last dead last in the NFL last year at 3.4 yards per carry. I don't know how this – I don't know how you're able to win four games, much less one, when that's all you're doing on the ground. So Warhop was saying, you know, we've got to work as a, a unit. The offensive line has got to work in union with the back and the receivers and all that. And, you know, he's aiming for 4.5, 4.6 yards of carry, which is a big ask. But the last three seasons in, in Jacksonville – He's gone 4.5, 4.5, and 4.4 in 2019. So if the Texans can get one yard better per carry uh, on the ground, wondrous things could happen. 
Well, I, I just I wonder if they're going to be able to do that with a 32 year old. I mean, Rex Burkhead's going to be 32. So with David Johnson's scheduled hit unrestricted free agency, with Royce Freeman uh, scheduled hit unrestricted free agency. I mean, I think Rex Burkhead is he the only? They got to have some other running backs on the roster that could have, or guys maybe that. I mean, is, is Scotty Phillips still knocking around there? Like, yeah, you know, and he's a really interesting one because he had the best training camp, best preseason last year out of all the backs. I mean, he, he really was impressive when he actually got into those, those August games. He's still on the roster along with Rex. I imagine they're going to sign a free agent or two. And I would not be surprised if they draft a guy. We, I feel like I said this every single year the last four or five years, and it, it hasn't happened. But I do think because they have nine picks as of right now, and they've got four in the top 80, but I do think because of that draft capital, I'd be kind of surprised if they don't spend one of those picks – on a running back, and I think there's lots of pretty intriguing running backs out there uh, all across uh, you know, the, the spectrum from the top part of the draft down to the bottom. So, yeah, it's Scotty Phillips and it's Rex Burkhead, who, who signed a late you – know, in December, he signed a deal – to stick with the team. But, I mean, he looked, he, um, he looked good. I mean, he, he looked good down the stretch. Yeah. You, you wonder, you know, you just, you, you, you wonder if, if he can keep it up. And you also, you know, when you look at it, you say, okay, what's this offense in general going to look like? I know I kind of wanted you to talk, like, wh- what about Davis Mills? Is, is this the year where we see, because he kind of looked kind of good last year. You know, I know that, you know, clearly he's a rookie and th- I mean, they're going to, they're going to have warts there. They all hell. Some of the rookies that were drafted a lot higher than him and what was considered a really good quarterback class. They showed off, off a lot of warts. Davis Mills was kind of a surprise that he was pretty good. I mean, at least as an outsider, that's how I saw it. Is that how people around there saw it? And then is this an evaluation year for Davis Mills or could this be a year where one of those top 80 picks of a quarterback falls? Maybe the Texans could be interested. Like how, how do you see the, the, the quarterback position coming in to now, you know, we're, we're coming into the combine. We're, I mean, we're getting into the heart of the draft season and kind of the off season plans. Yeah. I mean, you never know for sure who, who a team's going to take. And if they do like a guy, are they taking him just because he's the best player available? But there's definitely optimism there with what you saw from Davis Mills. He, Started and played a lot of games before getting sat down in the middle part of the season. And then when he returned in that second half of the season, he showed some flashes and so showed some really impressive traits. Um, and I think there's a definite optimism there. Lovey Smith talked about it. Pep Hamilton, the offensive coordinator, talked about some of the things they're working on uh, with Davis. He's enthused about the new offense. He worked, you got to remember, with Hamilton very, very closely last year. Hamilton was the quarterback's coach, and now he's been elevated to, to OC. They've started installing that offense. There's going to be a, a concerted effort to get the balls ball into the hands of the playmakers uh, in a way that plays up to their strengths. It's not going to be, you know, squaring the, jam, the, the, the square peg into a circular hole. It's going to be, let's make this offense work around the guys and what they do best. So I do think with another year in the system, just another year in the NFL, you're going to see Davis Mills take steps. One thing that you will never, ever, ever have to worry about with Davis Mills is confidence and unflappability. Uh, just as an example, I asked him once, you know, what, were you, what would you be doing if you weren't a pro football player? And without hesitating, very calmly said, I'd probably be a pro baseball player. I mean, this guy does not <laughs> lack anything when it, when it comes to confidence. And it's really refreshing, you know, because he, he had some struggles last year. And you, it doesn't really look like it brought it brought him down or, or really shook him. 
because when he came back, he was pretty effective in moving the offense. And to harken back to what I was saying earlier, this was an offense that could not run the football very well. And this was an offense, I think, that did not put its players in, in the best position to do what they could do best. Well, I want to put a pin in, in that because you talked earlier about uh, getting the ball in the hands of the playmakers, and mm-hmm. that's how you kind of finished it. And, I, and I, 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 I need to get back to that, that because this is a fantasy podcast. But sure. I just – I mean, just for my own – I just have a couple of questions for my own just NFL fandom that I, clearly you're in a great position of insight to know. Just um, the first one is, and this is a completely left turn. Did did you like Coach Cully? Was he liked around there? Did Were you surprised that he was fired? Oh, everybody loved Coach Cully. I mean, he's, he's one of the the greatest guys you'll ever want to know. I mean, it's it was a pleasure knowing him and working with him. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I wish him the best. And it's it's nothing's ever a surprise in the NFL. I think you know, I've been around here since 2009. And there's people that have been around here since before the team was even playing games. When Bob McNair bought the team in October of 99, he started hiring people shortly thereafter. So it wasn't nothing's ever really a surprise. Uh, but no, everybody, everybody that I know loved David Culley. And, you know, I'm part of that crew, too. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Were you surprised that it was, were you surprised that it was lovey and, 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 and no. how... No, not at all. You, I mean, you were buying into, in, into any of this, uh, any of this, once what was the it, decision Josh was McCown made, stuff? Once the decision was made, it wasn't a surprise at all. But yeah, when you heard the names that were being interviewed, sure, a little bit. But I go back to last August, and you know, one of the things I do for the team, I'm the preseason TV sideline reporter. So for the, the three games that were on last year, I'm on the sidelines, and you know, I interview the head coach right before the half, and I set things up, and I interview a player or two during the game. And so the night before those, those preseason games, we have the production meetings and they bring in the head coach and they bring in a few players each time. Well, before the Texans played the Cowboys up in Dallas, uh, they, they brought in those guys and they also brought in Lovey Smith and just being up close and listening to Lovey talk. It's like, yeah, that's pretty clear that that guy's a head coach. That makes sense. I mean, he's, he's definitely Mm -hmm. got a way to deliver uh, his message. He's definitely confident He's got the respect of everybody in that locker room, not just the defensive players, but the offensive guys, the specialists, the other coaches, the staff. I mean, it's not a surprise at all if you've spent any time around him. And, you know, I think one thing working in his favor is, A, his experience as a head coach. He's done it over a decade. B, he's done it in two different spots. But then C, being here in the building for a year, I think is very, very advantageous to him because when you bring in a new coaching staff, there's a lot of moving parts to that. And I think when you bring in a guy like this, who's A, done the job before, and B, been here in the building, there are less moving parts. So it really, if you look at it in a vacuum, it makes all the sense in the world that the Texans would go with him. And also, not many people remember this, but after Gary Kubiak was fired in 2013, one of the first names that came out as a possibility and as, as a guy that the Texans wanted to interview and talk with was Lovey Smith's. He was in between Chicago and Tampa Bay that year, 
and he wound up getting hired by the Buccaneers, but he's always been on the radar of the McNair family, and he finally got to be the guy this year. And it, whenever you whenever you look at the Texans too, it was one of these things where you know the defense towards the the defense towards the end of the year was getting be, was was getting better despite losing mm-hmm. some guys. I mean, the trade deadline. You, I mean, it, I thought it was wild that Charles Omenahu was a guy who that was I mean clearly looked like he was probably a hit considering what the 49ers were willing to do to get him um but even despite some of the you know players getting injured and some of the other stuff I mean you could tell the defense was playing hard so I could tell I could totally get it that the, like that the team likes him he seems like the kind of coach that, that they the team seemed to like playing for at least down down the stretch last season yeah um, you, you bring up a good point they were playing hard they're actually playing better after you know, the bye week when the self-scouting went down. Now, they'll tell you, he'll tell you, it wasn't good enough. You know, they, they got to play a lot better. And they've got to do some things and, and shore up some things and pass coverage and all that stuff. But one of the things that they did so much better than they did in 2020 was taking the ball away. They only got nine takeaways in 2020. That was, that was the worst in the NFL. And they jumped up to 25 last year. And that wasn't enough in their eyes, but that was a top 10 mark <laughs> in the NFL. But – uh yeah, they can still get better, and you saw some signs of improvement. But you know, on the whole, they just they weren't able to get the job done. That's what happens when you lose thirteen games. You know, you can't really say that anything was really rosy. Um, and I'm not breaking any news there, but they can get better. But they were you know on an upward tick there, and I think maybe another year in the system with some players added through the draft, free agency, that that improvement can can kind of keep on going. I think I, I think Drew, we're gonna, they're going to have to add some players in the draft or free agency or somewhere at some of these playmaker positions. Cause you talked about getting the ball in the hands of playmakers. I know that Brandon cooks is, I mean, I thought it was so weird that whenever they're basically saying that the whole roster's up for grabs, all this stuff like that, you take a guy in Brandon cooks that was born in what well, he's born in 1990. I mean, he's drafted 20, 2014. He came out. So he was born in like 93. That would make him what, coming up to about, 29 29-ish, 30 years old, mm-hmm. you know, mul- mul- multiple concussions. I feel like at any point in time, his, his, his career could be in trouble with another bad one of those. But they talk about how they want to build around him. Um, I thought that was kind of interesting. Clearly, he's a great playmaker. He's probably the number one perimeter option for, for the Texans. Um, but what did you think about the fact that he was a guy that the team basically said, like, look, you know um, – we're taking all. I, I just I remember the report, reporting coming out, maybe from McLean or uh, it, it, it might have been Aaron Wilson or somebody saying like they're taking all comers for trades. But you know, one guy they're not interested in really trading away right now, and they see a sort of a building block is Brandon Cooks. Was that reporting true based on what you've kind of seen around there? And uh, what is what is what is your outlook on the whole situation with 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 Cooks right now? You know, I can't speak to the reporting, but I can tell you this. I mean, it's. Stunning that that guy's never been to a Pro Bowl. Um, you brought up is the that true? Is that yeah. true? You brought up wow. the concussions that happened in the you know about three years ago, and then in his rookie season, that's two seasons since 2014 when he came into the league that he's not had a thousand yards. I mean, the guy is a productive receiver, and he's also a good dude in the locker room. And I had somebody ask me, you know, like, oh, he's he's clearly a regime guy, and he's he's a guy that's you know, good for that coaching staff. I'm like, I don't know what the hell coaching staff wouldn't want a player like him. He's, he's been great in new England. 
He was great in New Orleans. He was good for Los Angeles. He's been great really you know, here. He's the only guy not named Andre Johnson or DeAndre Hopkins that has a 1,000-yard receiving season, 1,000-yard receiving season for the Houston Texans. I mean, he's been outstanding. And he's like, he gets it. Like, he's a vet. He's a pro's pro. He's the guy that kind of leads the way in practice, in the weight room, and clearly on the field. That's somebody that you want around. That's somebody that you want to throw to. And I know Davis Mills, Tyrod Taylor before him, were very, very comfortable getting him the ball. He's a really impressive dude. And, yeah, he's definitely part of the future here in Houston. That's that's crazy because also if if you consider it – so I know that – I mean, I don't know. You you don't know. None of us, I guess, know what's going to happen with guys like Chris Conley – Chris Moore, these are kind of kind of back of the roster types of guys on most NFL teams. Uh, certainly, Danny Amendola feels like his days in the NFL could be could be numbered just due to his age. Don't and sleep stuff on like Danny that. Amendola, dude. That might that guy is kind of like a cockroach. I think we could have a nuclear <laughs> war, and he'll survive. He'll still catch some balls. He'll score touchdowns, return punts. He's right, tough man. as beef jerky, dude. Okay. Well, all right. I, I, point well taken. I will not be counting out Danny Medulla. What should my what, what should our expectations be though this year and year two for Nico Collins, the third round pick in twenty twenty one? Fascinating player, man. He is really, really fascinating. I, I can't wait to see what he does. He was solid as a rookie, I thought, and again, I don't know that that offense really was able to showcase his talents and some of the other guys like. Maybe Pep Hamilton's might. I'm I'm really looking forward to because we always hear about the big jump from year one to year two for all players in the NFL, but certainly for receivers. And I think he's definitely one of those guys that could be primed for a jump. You know, he's bigger. Cooks has talked about what a great guy to have opposite him. Uh, um, Collins is so I can't wait to see what's next for him. And you know, he's been working out and getting ready, and you know, he's going to throw ball, throw catch passes with with Mills, along with a lot of other guys this offseason. Mills talked about that. He wanted to, you know, get involved when they're not here for the offseason conditioning work or the OTAs and, and so forth. So I can't wait to see what's next for Nico Collins because, you remember, he's a guy they moved up for in the draft last year. And they, they spent a third-round pick on him, and they definitely have some high expectations for him. Who are some of the other guys? I mean, I know that um... – Let's see. Didn't they have Brevin Jordan? Brevin Jordan. Remember? Oh, I, I was going to ask. I was. I, I, believe it or not, it's on my list here to ask you about Brevin Jordan. My radio co-host, the Trash Man, yeah. said if you're having Drew Doherty on, you got to ask about Brevin. So can, <laughs> we can just. We can, yeah, we can just talk about him now. Like smart can, guy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Brevin's good, Brevin? man. He's he's a fun. I mean, if you think about the, they only drafted five rookies last year. Every single one of them played, and played a lot. Um, you had Cooks. Excuse me. You had Mills, you had Collins. Uh, you also had Roy Lopez, a defensive lineman, started 15 games for this team. You had Garrett Wallow, who came in and for December he was basically one of your starters at linebacker. But before that, he was one of your key special teamers and really made an impact there. So these guys have all come in and done really, really good things. And at about midseason, Brevin Jordan, the tight end out of Miami, got involved and started catching touchdowns and moving the chains. And it's another guy that I think Pep Hamilton, new passing game coordinator, Ben McDaniels, who coached Collins uh, at Michigan. I think they're going to figure out ways and get creative and get these guys the ball because they can make plays once they get it in their hands. And I'm looking forward to seeing what's next for that, that little three man skill position trio of, of quarterback Davis Mills, Brevin Jordan, the tight end and Nico Collins at wideout. 
Oh, I loved it. I, I love that. Okay. Well, that, that's, that's, that's fantastic for our fantasy and our dynasty folks. Uh, two of the main guys that we really wanted to kind of probe around were Nico yeah. and Brevin Jordan. Um, but just, just also, we got a lot of people here who like doing mock drafts. who like filling this stuff out. Me too. Uh, what, what do you think? just like, what to you are the Texans draft needs? Yes. Because <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of what what we asked Lovey Smith when when we interviewed him a couple of weeks back after the hiring. Like, hey, how involved in the draft process are you? And he said, shoot, before I got hired, you know, in between the end of the season and now, I've been looking at I've been looking at tape on these guys. And he says he loves the technology because he was able to watch every single Senior Bowl practice rep for all these guys, and he's he's really involved. But when we asked him, you know where might the Texans look to go? Because you got that third overall pick as well as eight others. Um, and four of them are going to be in the top 80. He said, if you told me we need to take a defensive lineman, I'd say, okay. You told me we need a receiver. All right. A corner. All right. Basically everything is wide open. And that's kind of why earlier in the conversation you asked about quarterbacks, if they think that's the best player available, then that's maybe the route they'll go. Uh, depending on where they're choosing in the draft. I'm not saying at three overall, but I think they're just going to go with the BPA. And I know it's not an exciting thing to hear, but I also think you got to remember, based on what Nick Casario has said, you know, they'll, they'll listen to offers about that third overall pick. He said, whether or not we actually use the third pick in that spot is a separate discussion. I mean, that's quotes. It's a whole separate discussion. So he clearly floated that out there that the Texans are willing to move because there are lots of lots of areas for improvement on this team and you want to get more chances at guys, I suppose. So if they can add a few more high round draft picks by moving back, then I think that's something that you you might see. Okay, so uh, again, he's Drew Doherty. You can find him on Twitter at Doherty Drew, host of Texans TV and uh, all around um, content creator there over at HoustonTexans.com. We ask Roster Watch Nation, please mobilize, unite, go give Drew a follow over there. All right, Drew, I'll get you. I will get you out of this. I'll get you out of here on 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 this one. And and you can't take the easy thing and say say trade down. So right. let's let's say that they let's just say that uh, Mr. McNair comes in tomorrow. Taps you on the head, says you are now the GM of the Houston Texans. God you help get the to, Texans. <laughs> you, get to, you get to handle the draft this year. <laughs> you can't trade down. You can't find a trade partner. What are you going to do at three? What are you? What are you? What are you honing in on? Doesn't need to be a specific player if you don't have one, but maybe a specific angle that you would take or a specific position that you would attack. I mean, I don't know about you, but this is one of the weirdest drafts I can ever remember because there is no num- clear number one. You know, mm-hmm. there's not a clear guy that, okay, he's going first. And then, so right. there's lots of variables. Um, I just want somebody that's going to come in and be a difference maker. And I know, I know there's lots of folks that say, oh, this draft is, doesn't have those guys. I, I don't buy into that. I think there's probably six or seven guys there at the front that they're going to come in and they're going to be really, really good for you for a long time. And they'll do so pretty soon as well. So I think there's lots of, Lots of great choices there at the top. Man, I do a, I do a mock draft tracker for the website where you kind of compile and see who's Rob Rang taken, who's uh, Todd McShay, Mel Kiper. So you kind of assimilate all those guys. And the latest one most drafted to the Texans has been Kayvon Thibodeau. Intriguing guy. But Aiden Hutchinson has fallen, fallen, so to speak, to a lot of, in a lot of mock drafts. 
That'd be really cool. And then, man, I love what Kyle Hamilton's done at safety. Now, I'm not privy to any of the, the discussions, what, what our guys like Casario and them are doing upstairs. But, I mean, because as far as Hamilton and Hutchinson, those are the two that kind of ping, 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 get me excited. Now, whether it happens or not, we'll see. But I really like the, the, the way those guys play the game. Hutchinson, man, you could get you could get your next JJ Watt just like I just, that. But I still see him slipping past the Detroit Lions. Yeah, maybe, maybe stranger things have happened, but I just can't see it. See him falling down to three, you know? Yeah, yeah. But if he sure. were. Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.